go back and revisit this morning the announcement of the angels to the shepherds. And there's an important truth to consider there. So beginning in verse number 8. And there were in the same company, excuse me, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Again, I don't want to spend, I don't want to keep going back to this, but it seems like it's just coming up everywhere. God's intent for salvation is everyone. It's everyone. And it's good for everyone. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So he communicates the Messiah of redemption is here. And then they sum it up with this praise in verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Our focus is on verse number 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That sounds incredible, doesn't it? And yet if we're honest in looking around, it seems impossible. It seems unlikely. It seems like if God intended this for all, then why aren't more experiencing the peace within and the goodwill without? So here's the title this morning. Glory up and peace down. Glory up and peace down. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. At this time, the choir will sing, and then we'll get to the sermon.
sing praises. It is easy to get so full of the festivities that we enjoy during this time of year that we become distracted from the main purpose of what we ought to be celebrating as God's children. And it actually takes work to make sure there's room in our hearts, make sure there's room in our lives for the influence and the work and the prioritizing of Jesus Christ. I sure do appreciate the choir and Brother Nate and Miss Becca and all the work that they put into that. That is a blessing. Very good. I also appreciate what Brother Max said. Guests, we are happy you're here. Okay, like 15 of us are happy that you're here. So guests, on your way out, make sure to only talk to those 15 people that are happy that you're here. <laughs> well, we, are, we are thankful and looking forward to tonight and the Lord willing, having another successful candlelight service in which the building does not burn down, praise the Lord. And so nothing catches on fire, and that'll be a blessing. Um, many of you know, as you've gotten to know my family, that I was born and raised and spent most of my life in Louisiana. And my parents were stationed there, and that's how I came to be from Louisiana. Many of you, or perhaps all of you, would remember several years ago when Hurricane Katrina uh, struck New Orleans. Andrea and I and our kids, we lived in central Louisiana, um, right, right in the very middle. New Orleans would be driving time about three and a half hours south of where we, where we lived. And uh, because of Hurricane Katrina... There were a lot of people down there who were displaced, and they ended up making their way a little bit north into what those down by the coast referred to as Yankee Land, Alexandria, where we lived. And there was, there was one individual that I, whose acquaintance I made during, um, a, after they were displaced and moved up into central Louisiana. And I, I was talking to him one day about those experiences, and, and there, had been, there had been some mornings that had gone out, and then there were in, intentional rescue efforts to help people that were caught up in all of that devastation. But there were, there were certain people who prided themselves, whether rightly or wrongly, on their ability to be able to ride out a storm. And uh, I, I understand, I think, the desire to protect your home and the desire to stay there and the desire to take care and the desire to hang on even when it's difficult. But there's a point at which it is okay to use a little caution. So this dude spent over a week, and it may have been two weeks, in his attic with his cat and just, just talking to him, and I, I have no ill will towards him. We, we had a good time talking about it. Thank God that he survived because many people did not survive. But, but just in talking to him about it, I, w I was reminded of this, that there, there are people who gave warnings, and then there are people who came with the intent of rescuing and of preserving life. But here's the truth about rescue operations. They can't be forced. In order to benefit from the people trying to rescue you, 
You can't stay in your attic with your cat. <laughs> Just because the intent is to rescue doesn't mean that you are, that you are free from response. And there are people who, who intentionally... And I understand at a certain point, you're in your attic. There's really no way to get out of your attic. I, I do get that. But when you hear the warnings and you hear people saying, hey, you might want to think about getting out, or hey, we have these concerns about the different structures. We have concerns about the size of this storm. Nope, I'm going to ride this one out. Or nope, I'm just going to stay here. There, there comes a point at which it doesn't matter what the intent of those coming to rescue or trying to protect your life is. You have to decide what it is that you want. But, but here's the truth. You can't have it both my way and be rescued as well. You have to decide, am I going to do it their way? Am, am I going to be rescued or am I going to get out when I have it, while I have the chance? And I understand the illustration isn't perfect because there would be, in some cases, extenuating circumstances. But generally speaking, there are, there are people who put themselves at greater risk because they know I want to have life. I want to have life, but I want to have it my way, when in some cases, the only way to have life was to submit to the warnings or to submit to being rescued. I hope that's making sense this morning. God's intention for people, and notice I did not use the pronoun his, God's intention for people is peace and goodwill. I love the announcement of the angel to the shepherd in verse number 10. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. The gospel is not an American idea. The gospel is not a Baptist idea. The gospel is not an idea reserved for a specific race or for a specific time. The gospel originated in the heart of God before the foundations of the world. And it's his desire that every person in every place and at every time have the joy of knowing him. Listen, I understand that religion doesn't bring joy. I understand that there can be religious processes that are used to manipulate. I understand that churches are led by flawed people. I get all of that. But a relationship with Jesus Christ is intended to bring peace and to bring hope and to bring joy. And that intent, God didn't design that intent for a select few like we're picking a kickball team in junior high. One, two, one, two, one, two. Save, not save, save, not save, save, not save. That's not how God does it. God opens up the door of salvation for anyone who will have it. It's his intent, it's his intent that no one be lost. You ask, you ask those in the Coast Guard, and, and their efforts are well documented during Hurricane Katrina. You ask them, look out interviews, read stories. Is your intent to only save a select few? No. I think their motto is something like this, that others may live. Or these things we do that others may live. Something like that kind of shares a motto with another branch of military service. No, no, they weren't going out there saying, we'll save the person on that roof. We won't save the person on that roof. We'll save the person on that roof. We won't save the person on that roof. This idea that God is selective in saying, I pick you and I reject you. I pick you and I reject you. That is a false 
doctrine. That is a false idea about the character of God. The door is open. It's his intent to save anyone, just like the, the, the Coast Guard coming. It was their intent to save everyone that was willing to be saved. God's intent with the advent of Jesus Christ is peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Jesus came to restore that which was broken. You, you understand this if you're familiar with Scripture. The Bible is very clear about this. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are not sinners because we are worse than another person. We are deemed to be sinful because we fall short of God's expectation of perfection. And yet the same God who deems us to be sinful because we fall short is the same God who also provided the means for salvation outside of any of our own effort. I love this. Please don't get bored with this. God didn't make it hard to get saved. God didn't say, hey, turn over this new leaf and change this habit and go to this church and dress up like this and commit to never doing that again. God says this, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He doesn't make it hard for you. He did the hard part himself. And it's his intent that everyone have that. You think of the person that you believe deserves hell the most. God wants that person to be saved. It's also possible you sit here this morning, you sit at home watching, and you think, if he only knew what I'm guilty of. I don't mean this in a callous, sarcastic way. I'm not concerned with what you're guilty of. Because I know what the word of God says about the one I preach. And where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And there is not a guilt that you can't be forgiven of. And there's not a life that you can't be redeemed from. It is the intent of God that all men in all places know him and be saved. And that people in a daily experience in this life know his peace and know the goodwill that he intends to bring. And yet if God is so desirous of that, then why does our culture and our world, and it didn't just start in our lifetime, you can trace this throughout history, why is humanity so lacking in peace within ourselves and goodwill towards our fellow man? Where's the goodwill at? Now, where is the goodwill at? More than 50% of peace agreements fail within five years of signature, according to one article, maybe higher. The Treaty of Versailles secured a peace between Germany and the Allies that lasted a grand total of, grand total of 20 years. And then Hitler came onto the scene. And World War II took place. The continent of Africa has been plagued by generations of civil war and bloodshed and failed peace agreements. No, I know this through firsthand observation because 
As some of you might know, my brother and his family served in South Sudan for a couple of years. And they were there right at the beginning of South Sudan's independence from Sudan. And even in their founding documents, they distinguished themselves from Sudan, who is, a, is a, a, an Islamic government. And we desire to be a Christian nation. But within, within a year, maybe less, there began to be, rum, be, be rumblings within South Sudan and where once there seemed to be this effort for national unity and a new nation, it was now embroiled in, in civil war and tribal strife to the point that people of the same nation trying to find freedom from an oppressive and tyrannical regime in Sudan, they're now killing each other in South Sudan. Where is the goodwill towards men? The Middle East is in a perpetual state of unrest with nations and warring factions within nations. Now look, and I know, I understand the American mentality. Well, that's over there. That's not my problem. I just want to remind you, God cares about people everywhere. Now, I'm not saying you need to stay awake every night crying about it, but I am telling you, God cares about people everywhere. And there's not a tribe, there's not a mountain, there's not a cave where humanity exists that God does not care about that individual and the lives that are represented there. You say, well, at least we don't have that problem here in America. As of December the 3rd this year, there have been 1,009 homicides in Cook County, which is where Chicago is. Over 4,000 people have been shot this year. In an October article, San Francisco Mayor London Breed claimed that the Walgreens had not closed 17 stores because of rapidly increasing crime and theft. Last year, she even made an effort to cut the city's police budget by $120 million. Then this last week, she ordered the police to crack down on crime in her city. Because apparently Walgreens closing does have something to do with people just breaking the window and walking out with stuff. Where's the goodwill? What is it about us that we think your life doesn't matter? The only thing that matters is what I want and what I'm doing. And I'll step over and on anyone in order to have it. Where is the goodwill? You say, well, I'm not breaking windows. Isn't it amazing how easily we get frustrated when the smallest things don't go our way? How angry we get when we feel the slightest bit of indignation? How offended we get when one little thing hurts our feelings? Isn't it amazing how much strife 
can come up between families and where homes should be peace. I, I, love, I love what my brother said, that, that he's looking forward to the time. Look, I enjoy Christmas morning. I enjoy those times with my children. I have fun with that. I am thankful for my family. I'm thankful for those moments. And I don't apologize for that. I love that. But it's such a tragedy to see people become so consumed with stuff. And then as soon as the gifts are open, they're back to arguing and yelling and fighting and complaining. And how can we even be guilty of that in our own families? We are blessed with so much stuff, so much tangible that we get to enjoy. And yet it doesn't matter how much or what it is. There's always something else to complain about. Always something else to criticize. Always something else to be frustrated with. Where is the goodwill? Where's the goodwill? Let me ask you another question. Stay with me. We're not going to be that much longer. I'll give you a side note. Miss Rhonda's class gave me an espresso bean, a coffee, and a Krispy Kreme donut. <laughs> Not before Sunday school, right before this. So I got a little bit of sugar going. So maybe it's going to be longer. I don't know. Where's the peace? In 2017, there was a report done on the use of antidepressants. Please pause for a moment and look up here at me. Please, please, please hear this. I'm not mocking or criticizing, neither am I claiming to be a medical professional. I'm not. But please understand that the trend in our culture is to be more dependent on medication as we go by. I'm, I'm not making fun of anyone. I'm just telling you there's a very unhealthy trend that's happening in our nation. In this 2017 article, it found that one in eight Americans over the age of 12 were using antidepressants. 13 years old and up, one in eight Americans are using antidepressants. Where is the peace? Why, why does it seem like our culture is increasingly defined by insecurity? You know why everyone is so easily offended today? Because people are so insecure in themselves. Because there is an absence of peace. Look, I'm not, I'm not endorsing vulgarity or wickedness. I, I'm certainly not endorsing those things. But you, you used to be able to tease each other and have a good time with it. You disagree with someone politically, then you understand where you disagree and you make fun of each other for it. And like, you just have a good time. Now, it's a cause for dividing families. Now, it's a cause for going to war with people. Now, it's a cause for burning stores and breaking down buildings and never talking to someone that you've known for years and being all sorts of abusive. You know what that's a reflection of? That's not a reflection primarily, and I don't care what side of the political aisle you fall on, that is not a reflection of policy. That is a reflection of an, a deteriorating internal condition to where we are increasingly as individuals and as, a and as a result as communities, we are increasingly weaker and weaker and more fragile and more fragile. Why is that? Why are we prescribing antidepressants for 12 years old and 10 years old and in some cases even younger than that? Why? Well, we're just getting a better handle on the medical needs. No, I don't believe that at all. I think we're trying to mask a deeper issue that we just don't want to deal with. 
please get this. A lack of goodwill among nations and neighbors is not primarily a geopolitical problem. Well, you know, Pastor, look, there are people way smarter than you. I agree. And, and, and there are political experts who have been studying regions, and, and they understand the nuances of these different warring factions in these tribes, and, and you're really trying to oversimplify an extremely complicated problem. Well, let me ask you, in all of these so-called experts and their complexity, how much success has been produced? So maybe, maybe the answer is actually staring us right in the face. We just don't like what it says. An increasing lack of internal peace among individuals is not primarily a medical issue. Neither is it primarily an external issue. Let me give you my reasoning. Listen to the angels. And suddenly in verse 13, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, in verse number 14, he did not start with peace on earth, goodwill toward men. The first word of their united voice was this, glory, not to us, but to him. Glory to God in the highest. And it's almost like... <laughs> God, through the message of his angels, was painting a picture to help us see how the diagram worked, to help us see how the process worked, that to pursue peace and to pursue goodwill outside of a right relationship with God is a futile or a futile experience. It is God's intention that everyone who has ever lived know his love, know his peace, have goodwill emanating from them to their neighbor, to their loved ones, to their fellow citizens. That is God's intent. But God will not force that intent. And his desire is dependent upon our willingness to prioritize what he says is the source of that peace and that joy. To give glory to God in the highest is to recognize that he's supreme. Um, I don't, don't, don't complicate this. Please don't. Glory to God in the highest. You are God alone. I am God and there is none else. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. No, the God of this book the God that gave us the Bible. He is the creator. He is the redeemer. He is the savior. I understand there are many things that are worshiped as though they are God's, but I challenge you to do your own research. And I'll say, I'll say more about some of this tonight. You look into the other religious belief systems and they all involve a measure of working in order to be saved. Only within biblical Christianity did God become us to die for us to give us eternal life. The creator became the redeemer. He's the high one. There is no other one. Okay. You seem a little bored. Michael Jordan is the greatest. Thank you, Max. Some of you newer folks, younger folks, don't talk to me about Kobe. 
Don't talk to me, don't talk to me about Bron Bron. He should just wear a pacifier all the time. <laughs> Look, he would dominate me. I know that. Michael Jordan is the greatest. Wait, basketball player. We're just talking about a game. Ask you who's the greatest singer, who's the greatest musician, who's the greatest artist, who's the greatest architect, who's the greatest business person, who's the greatest athlete in whatever discipline, who is the greatest whatever. And we'd all, there'd be all these varying opinions, but there is only one that is truly above all, and it's Jesus Christ. And it's through him. And that's what this statement clarifies. It's the recognition that my life must be lived in submission to him. Now, we balk at that word. We, when, when you hear someone say, your life needs to be lived in submission to, listen, no one is going to tell me what to do. No one is going to tell me how to live my life. No one is going to tell me that I can or that I can't. And we have this spirit within us that says, I, I will not be told what to do. But here's the reality. You are going to serve something. And you are going to be subject to the consequences of whatever direction you choose to serve in. And Jesus made this abundantly clear. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. God doesn't save you to oppress you and make life hard on you. Can I pause for just a moment and give a little more philosophy to our church family? When a person gets saved, the last thing we need to do is come at them with a bunch of, well, here's the rules that you need to obey. No, if we will focus on a relationship, Jesus will do the reforming from the inside out. Stop getting hung up on rules and just help people know Jesus and love him. Stop worrying about what people look like. Stop worrying about all the different things that people have going on that I'm just not, I'm not used to that. Love them and let Jesus Christ work in them and through them. The word of God will confront things. God will deal with people, but we don't need to come at people with, okay, now that you're saved, here's our Christmas bag of rules that you need to follow. How about you just love Jesus and let him change you? Jesus isn't a mean taskmaster. He's good, isn't he, Pablo? He is good. He's a loving Savior. Here's the problem. We want his peace without him. Jesus said this, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Paul said, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. C.S. Lewis made this statement, God cannot give us peace and happiness apart from himself because there is no such thing. It does not exist. It's not there. Jack Wellman made this statement, no one can have the peace of God until they are at peace with God. I'll give you the statement in two forms. When I live in submission to him, I will never lack peace and joy from him. When I live in submission to him, 
I will never lack peace and joy from him. Or you could say it this way. Glory up, peace down. Here's the problem. Maybe you're not saved. And maybe you think you've, you've prioritized peace is through prosperity. Peace is through my attaining. Peace is through my consuming. Peace and joy, it is, it's through my having and all of these desires being fulfilled that I want. I, I'd remind you, I'd, or excuse me, encourage you to go back and study the lives of great people. L- listen, you know, probably to my shame, I talk way too much about Tom Brady. Let me tell you one more thing. He was asked one time, how many Super Bowls will be enough? You know what his answer was? I don't know. You know what he's always focused on after he wins one? The next one. Because it's, it's never enough. I believe it was Rockefeller who was asked this, how much money will it take to satisfy you? One more dollar. There is a God-shaped void inside of every human being, and there is no amount of money, there is no amount of career success, there is no amount of relational experience, there is no amount of pleasure, there is no amount of physical happiness that can take the place of that void. And you can spend your entire life pursuing it and chasing it and trying to scratch this itch that you can't quite find the source of, you can't quite get to the root of. It's like having an itch at the right spot of your back and the scratcher doesn't reach there and your arm doesn't reach there and you're on the post or the corner of the wall just trying to, I need to get to this spot. And yet more seriously, internally, there is something missing in your life and you just can't seem to satisfy the void. The reason is because it's not a thing that you can achieve. It's a relationship you have to accept. Maybe you are saved, but you have deviated And you don't even know exactly when it happened, but you begin to prioritize your own personal achievement and your own life goals above knowing God. Listen, I believe the Bible, I believe God is all about having the right kind of goals, but those must always be in submission to his will for our lives, and those should never take priority over us prioritizing him in the way we live our life. And my friend, you will find those dreams once they're fulfilled, to be just as empty for you as they are for those who are not saved. Having the best in this life without a right relationship with God will not satisfy. When the glory is going up, the peace will be coming down. Let me give you three thoughts and then we'll be done. Peace in you is not the absence of struggles, challenges, or conflicts around you. You may, not, you may not know this, but we are not a prosperity preaching church. You will never hear, hey, if you'll sow that seed when Brother Feevai is up here talking about giving, God's going to bless you with that Corvette. Hey, if you'll do this, if you'll send in this commitment, then guess what's going to happen? Everything in your life is going to go great. No. You can have God's peace and still get a bad report from the doctor. I'm not excited about that. I'm just telling you the reality. You can have peace with God and a marriage fall apart because both parties aren't willing to work at it the way they need to. 
you can have God's peace and God's joy and things not go right at your job. Having the peace of God is not an absence of struggle. But if you do have God's peace, there is nothing externally that can take that away. No. It doesn't mean you don't hurt. But you don't hurt without hope. Even in the greatest pain, even in the greatest challenges, there is hope. So here's the last thought. Stop blaming externally what is available internally. It's like the guy in the attic with the cat. Why am I stuck here? I talked to him. I'm not being mean. You know why? Because you ignored the opportunity to not be there. The intent was for you to not be there. The opportunity to not be there was available. You just sat in my attic and my cat. You just didn't know it would look the way that it looks now. God's intent for your life is to have peace and joy. And here's, man, this is so cool. Sorry, I just remembered this. You can have peace and joy from God and still enjoy good things in this life. <laughs> Like, life can be hard, but it can also have some pretty good stuff in it. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I got a really pretty wife. Like her. <laughs> I got some pretty amazing kids. When they don't act like me, pretty awesome. <laughs> I have some great relationships. I get to be a part of an amazing church family. I've, I have so many cool things that I'm thankful for, and I get to enjoy and be a part of. But that is only a blessing to its max when it's in its proper place. When I live in submission to him, I will never lack his supply of peace in me. When the glory is going up, the peace will be coming down. So here's the question. What needs to change in your life for glory to be going up? The question is never, is God failing? The question is only this. It's only this. Number one, am I saved? Have I accepted Jesus as my Savior? Number two, am I allowing that salvation to be lived out in the way I live my life? Listen, life can be good, but missing his peace. There will come a day when all the good of this life, please mark my words, there will come a day when all of the good of this life will not satisfy. And there will be moments when you need peace from God, but you're stuck in an attic with a cat because you wouldn't humble yourself. What needs to change for glory to start going up? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. You've been so patient. You've listened so well. Thank you for giving God, for giving me the courtesy of that. But the habit of this church is if God has spoken to us, to, then to give him the courtesy of a response. And we don't, we, we, we won't, we will not do anything to embarrass anyone. If you're nervous and thinking, man, what are they about to do? We're not, not going to do anything to embarrass you. I just, I want to ask you to be honest before God. If you 
you believe God has spoken to you or if you even, you're wrestling in your heart and you say, there's some things in my life that I need to consider. With every head bowed and every eye closed, here's the question. Are there things in your life that need to change for the glory to be going up? Maybe you need to get saved. Say, I don't, I don't know for sure that if I died right now, I would go to heaven. I'm not saved. Salvation is not about coming to this church. It's not about going to any church. It's about knowing Jesus Christ. And with, with every head bowed and every eye closed, respecting the privacy of your neighbor, you would say, for the glory to start going up, I need to first humble myself and believe in Jesus as my Savior. I need to trust Christ. That's what I need to do. I know that. Maybe you would say, I know I'm saved. I know it. I know I'm a child of God. I believe it. But there are some things in my life that even as I sit in this service this morning, I know there are some things in my life that are not in the order they ought to be. My, it may have to do with my career. It may have to do with a relationship. It may have to do with some habit. It may have to do with some anxiety that I refuse to let go of or some stage of my life that is just pounding me right now. But where I am, I know I'm missing out on peace and I know there are things in my life, there are priorities that need to change. I know God even brought, in some cases, he even brought things to my mind. This is where the glory needs to start going up in your life. You're living your life all about you. You're living your life prioritizing the wrong thing. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If God spoke to you in that way or some way to say, and there's some areas where the glory needs to come up. And when it does, the peace will begin to come down. But you know, my life's not being lived in the right direction. And I want God to help me with it. Would you raise your hand and say, that's me. I'm not gonna, I see it, God bless you. I see it, yep, all over the place. God bless you for your honesty. Yep, God bless you, God bless. Would you do this? Would you respond to the Lord this morning? I am happy to pray with you. And if more people come than I can talk to, I'm happy. We have others that will be happy to talk to you and encourage you. But would you please respond to the Lord this morning? I'm not begging. But I believe that God's intent is for there to be peace in your life and joy. That doesn't mean an absence of difficulty. It does mean the presence of his work. And he wants to give it to you, but you have to submit to him. Let's all stand together. Brother Nate, please begin singing right now. If God has spoken to you, you respond to Jesus while we sing.